Welcome back to an all-new, all-different episode of Aim for the Bushes. I'm your podcast person, Pavel, also known as J-Pav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. And today we're talking about South Park. Now, if you saw the title, Blame South Park, are we going to blame South Park? I don't know. you got to listen to find out. I mean, I don't even know. I haven't listened to the episode yet, so you got to give me a chance, and, and I'll let you know by the end. But before we get into today's topic, first, our non-legal legal disclaimer, which is simply that the opinions that are expressed by me or others who may appear on this show are simply that, our opinions. We're not saying that we have the ultimate truth or that only our viewpoints are valid. So you can agree with us. You can disagree with us. It's completely fine. So with that out of the way, let's get into today's topic, which I said is about South Park. I guess you could say causing a generation of people to be trolls, uh, according to one article here on the AV Club. So before I get into talking about this specific uh, topic, before talking about South Park, let me just say, one, I generally am a fan of the show. I know I haven't watched it in a number of years, you know, just because I kind of like lost interest in it. To me, it became uh, too much of the same thing. It became too repetitive. So normally when I, when I start to lose interest in shows, it's because I feel like it's spinning its wheels. So for comedy shows, they tend to last longer. One, because they tend to be shorter, I think, than like an ongoing serial uh, drama type type show uh, with, I guess, a few notable exceptions like, uh, well, I guess South Park would be one of them, Family Guy, The Simpsons. It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, although I have only seen a handful of episodes of that. But for drama shows, for me, generally, the first season is the strongest season especially for the way TV is done currently where you have like season long arcs. Cause when I was a kid, although I didn't really watch too many drama shows as a kid, I would normally watch like cartoons and like comedies and stuff. But even when I was like a teenager slash young adult, I don't know. I don't know how you say like your twenties. Um, TV tended to be like mystery of the week type stuff. So I'm not saying all shows did this, but it was, it was a common way to have stuff where something would happen. Uh, basically, things would reset to the status quo. And then the, the next week, you know, a new adventure or a new event uh, would occur. And sometimes you'd have loose overarching plot points that would, that would stick around. But more recently, I guess you could say within the last 10-ish years or so, uh, maybe 15 years, uh, especially dra- dramatic type uh, of shows, would have season-long arcs and not really be, um, you know, problem-of-the-week-style style television. And for me, most of those shows, the, the at least my impression is, obviously I don't know if this is the actual thought process behind it, is that they had an idea or a concept of what they wanted for their first season. And so they were able to follow that and execute that. But then when they went into like their second or third season, they didn't really know where to go with it. So it either becomes a rehash of the first season in some way, or, you know, they do kind of continue the story, but I don't know, it's, it's become boring to me. And so that's usually when I lose interest and I stop watching. So the same thing can happen for, for comedy shows for me. Like I said, for the most part, that doesn't happen as much because they tend to not last a long time generally speaking i would say but uh well i guess i know it's just popped in my head right now but in, in terms of drama shows uh there's this good british show because generally I'll, i'm also tend to be a fan of like british television in general especially uh their comedies and part of the reason why i like british television because it tends to be concise it's like the opposite in terms of uh, i'm not sure about canadian television but definitely american style uh, television where you have like a large writer's room and episodes tend to be about like 20 to 24 epi- uh, sorry seasons tend to be about 20 to 24 uh, episodes long that's kind of changed more recently with uh, I think the rise of streaming services uh, you know original uh, programming where I think they're also making more concise 
uh, tighter stories in general compared to like broadcast uh, TV shows where, yeah, they want like the whole season long. So to go from like September, October to like April, May. And so British TV tends to be written by like one or two writers for the most part. They tend to be no longer than 10 episodes in like a whole series. So you get stuff that's like really focused and like concise. And because it's written by like a couple people, you know, they generally have a better idea, I think, of conceptualizing what they want to do compared to when you have a whole uh, team. Not that it's impossible, but I think it's just easier to uh, achieve that when you're like one or two person uh, writing group. Well, obviously, if you're one person, you're not a group, but you know what I mean. Uh, and so in uh, Broadchurch is a good uh, show. This, this is to give an example of, of uh, you know, what to do when your first season is done and then you have a second season. Because I know there's some shows I remember like True Detective. I never watched it, but I remember when they did like the second season, a lot of complaints were that it wasn't as good as the first season because they had to like, because I believe they changed like all their actors and, and the story and their characters. I'm not sure if it's a continuation exactly, but I just remember seeing that people didn't like the enjoy the second season as much. But there's a British show called Broadchurch. It did get remade in the U.S. I think called Gross Point or something. Both series star David Tennant. Uh, the American version isn't uh, isn't that uh, that good. It's okay. Like I said, sometimes it doesn't translate when you bring it to the U.S. But anyways. It basically centers around like a young boy who's gone missing or is he found dead? I can't remember, but that's the central conceit. And it's like two detectives trying to solve what happened, like who took him or who killed him or whatever it turns out to be. And so uh, I have an episode about this, about spoilers, about how I don't think spoilers are important. But if they are important to you, I mean, you can go listen to that episode if you want to hear my thoughts on it. But so this is your spoiler warning in case this is uh, something you do want to watch. So you can probably skip over like the next minute or so. But um, yeah, in the second season, when they find the person responsible for what happened in the first season, the second season isn't like you know, a retread. It's not the, the two main characters going in to solve another mystery. So it's like the same thing again. Oh, yes, we're going to go solve another mystery over the course of the season. It is the actual trial of the person they caught in the first season to see whether or not that person is guilty or not guilty in terms of like the legal proceedings of it. So it changes, right? So that's why I, I there was a third season, but I never ended up watching it. But that's what I really enjoyed about the show because the second season was something completely different. Like it continued the story in a meaningful way. So it was like, okay, yes, the first season is a mystery. We have, you know, our detectives trying to solve it. Okay, cool. Very easy to do a second season where, okay, now we do another mystery. The show was successful. The show was popular. Uh, you know, let's do it again. Right. We have our formula. Let's do it again. But they went a different route and it focused on, well, what happens after? OK, you caught the guy. Well, what happens? Because normally we don't answer that question. Normally the story ends with the person being caught or whatever it is. And then we don't see what happens beyond that. And so this kind of takes it there. This says, OK, so, yes, we caught this person. Now let's put it to trial. And is are we going to get a guilty verdict? Right. It's everything that we saw in that first season. Was it accurate to like obviously the central conceit here of, of the trial? But anyway, that's a small side, small side tangent. But anyways, getting back to to South Park here. So the reason why I'm talking about South Park, like I said, I, it's a show I enjoy. I tend to enjoy the earlier seasons uh, because they dealt I guess you could say they were more about the characters of the kids themselves and the first couple seasons, I know uh, you could argue that uh, Matt Stone and Trey Parker, the creators of the show, were trying to find like their voice and exactly what it is they want to do. Because I guess that's the other thing about like the first season that you know you could argue. I think about not judging a show solely on the first season because a lot of the time it is trying to figure out what the show is. Now, obviously, when you create a series or you create a show, thought should be put into that. You should have a plan of what it is you want to say and do, but as you do stuff, and especially if it airs, you see people's reactions to stuff, and it may cause you to, you know, change or adapt. Because to me, and I think a lot of people kind of share this view to like a creative process, nothing's ever like 
finished a hundred percent, it's always going through like revisions. There's always stuff you can tweak. There's always stuff that you can change. It's just kind of like a certain, it reaches a certain state, but it's never like finalized and never finished completely. So as a, as a show, which is an ongoing evolving thing, because obviously you're creating new and new episodes, whereas like a movie, a film, a play or whatever, a book, it's pretty finite. Obviously you can create sequels, but the initial work itself has like a runtime or a page count or whatever it is. And that's it. It's over. But a series, right, especially if it's uh, an overarching story, but it doesn't have to be. It can be, you know, problem of the week or issue of the week type shows where everything resets. And so you get like a new new adventure to go on for the next episode. It's an ongoing process, though. So obviously things are going to change over time. And for South Park, that's definitely true. The first seasons, first couple of seasons are not the same as it currently is now. It has evolved over the close to, oh my God, it's going to be close to 30 years. I think it's been on the air for like 25 years or so because it came out in 1997. Oh, I think next year's 25 years if I know my math correctly, if I can do my quick maths. But basically it found its voice eventually and they started doing more topical issues. So they would basically be reacting to something doesn't necessarily be the news specifically but just something that's in i guess the either that's out there and they would react to it like their current method of doing the show i'm not exactly sure when they adopted this specifically but basically they write and animate the show one week before its air date so they're really reacting to things that are popular or things that are trendy uh for that given week before the show airs which is an interesting way of doing things, obviously. If you're trying to comment on something, uh, the sooner you get something out related to it, I guess, the better. Like, I'm the opposite of that. Like, I'll <laughs> release an episode of this show for something that happened like two years ago. <laughs> but that's just, that's just me. But this also is not my, my full-time job. But yeah, that's what they do. And so when you have that like topical humor, like a lot of South Park episodes, I've not gone back and watched. I've seen it like maybe once or twice or I saw it as it aired. So it's hard to know uh, some of those things that are more topical, how well they hold up, because that's the one danger, I guess, when you do things uh, like a narrative fictional show that is influenced by something that's that's trendy in that moment is that well if i watch this five years from now will i understand what it is they're talking about some things won't necessarily make sense or click for you or if you're a younger view or someone who uh, wasn't around i don't mean me younger necessarily like well i mean yeah okay i do if like young in age but also if you were not aware of the show let's say uh not of the show sorry if you're just not aware of whatever it is they're talking about even though if you were around at the time it may be they may be talking about something that you personally was not like in your purview. So it may not make sense to you when you see it. Or there may be some jokes or some plot points or some issues going on that you're like, OK, sure, I'll accept it. But I don't really understand what it is you're trying to say in a like a larger sense. But uh, yeah, so OK, so that's my like relationship to the show. I haven't watched it in a number of years, but. What happened was, speaking of uh, timeliness, this happened last year. What I'm about to relay to you, the information I'm about to relay to you in like a few seconds here, is that there is, I guess you can call her an author. Her name is Dana Schwartz, or perhaps Schwartz. No, Schwartz. Um, she's like a comedy writer, I suppose. I'm not super familiar with her work. I do have her comic that she wrote. Uh, she wrote, uh, I think, the Deadpool annual for 2019. Was it the annual? Or it could have been an issue of Deadpool. I can't remember, but I'm pretty sure it was the annual. And so generally she's like uh, an author and apparently she has a podcast called Noble Blood, which maybe go check out if you want to learn about Noble Blood. But she had published uh, a tweet kind of just criticizing South Park for uh, spawning a generation of trolls. So I'm going to talk about this. And there's another article that also talks about South Park creating a generation of trolls from the AV club. And I'm going to have both of these articles uh, in the show notes. Although the, the opinion piece by Dana Schwartz does include a link to the Washington post. Uh, sorry, does include a link to uh, the AV club article, but I'm still going to have both of them uh, linked separately. If you want to 
you know, read that specific one so you don't have to search through the Washington Post uh, article if you don't want to. And so she, so she posted a tweet uh, February 13th of, of 2020. She posted a tweet saying that, like I said, being critical of South Park. So what she said was, uh, obviously it's Twitter, so it's not very long, so I'll just uh, quote it for you here. It says, in retrospect, it seems impossible to overstate the cultural damage done by South Park the show that portrayed earnestness as the only sin and taught that mockery is the ultimate inoculation against all criticism. Smugness is not the same as intelligence. Provocation isn't the same as bravery. The lesser of two evils aren't the same. It seems like South Park has been trying to reckon with this. I admit I haven't been watching the show in recent seasons, but I'm fascinated to see this. And uh, she's referring to uh, the... South Park uh, issuing a, an apology for Man Bear Pig, which we'll talk about in a second. But this is a tweet thread. Uh, if you're wondering, like, how is she able to get all this in a single tweet? But no, this is a thread, so I didn't, uh, I didn't make that clear at the beginning. She said, to be clear, I don't blame the show itself as much as I do the generation of boys who internalized it into their personalities, which maybe isn't the show's fault. And then she goes on to say, my point was that South Park seemed to teach that it was always cooler to be reactionary and contrarian. And anyone who criticizes anything uh, is offended. And that's the real problem. Wonder if that's the message these fans absorbed. Because she started getting uh, a lot of hate and a lot of, I guess, emails, uh, tweets, and I don't know what else. Basically being super uh, mean to her and calling her all sorts of nasty names, uh, a bunch of racist stuff. I'm not really going to repeat it because there's no point. It's just people said really mean things in response to just saying that South Park has put out this idea that basically caring about something is a problem. And if you care about something, you're, you're stupid basically. Right. And so people who are offended by stuff, in terms of reacting to things that are going on, that is a real problem with uh, society. So I don't know. That's not, to me, very controversial. I don't think it is worthy of being uh, the victim of all this, like, hatred over it. And when you listen to... Uh, and uh, just a quick aside here, in my episode about the Internet, this is one of the things that I mentioned in terms of, like, platforms like social media and Twitter... Uh, specifically is that, you know, they don't allow for nuance and they tend to have people, yeah, come at you with like hate and stuff like that. So if you want to go listen more about that, there's that episode there. But uh, getting back to this, what she said was, yeah, nothing too crazy. She said, I don't think it warranted all the hate that she got over by saying that uh, South Park is a show that, yeah, that's the main, especially once we get into like the topic of the week style uh, episodes that the show had become known for. And a lot of it was funny because, like, I would watch some of those episodes in response to certain things that were going on. And sometimes it's like, yeah, there, there's ridiculousness to be found on both sides or on multiple sides of an argument. I can see that. I have no issue with that. But a lot of the time, the show itself would boil down to that, like, having an opinion or actually caring about something is the real problem because everything is meaningless. It has a very nihilistic approach. You could argue to uh, dealing with uh, problems that society faces. Now, obviously, you can say it's it's uh, it's satire. So, you know, it's obviously being critical of multiple viewpoints in that regard. But still, at the end of the day, the overall message of, well, everything just sucks. So the fact that you care about it is the real problem. Like that's, that's definitely there. So I would definitely agree with her opinion on that. And then so from the response that she got and the hate and vitriol that she got, she wrote an opinion piece for the Washington Post. Like I said, I will include this in the show notes and it's titled, I criticize South Park for spawning a generation of trolls and the trolls came for me. So in it, she basically, you know, reiterates, uh, you know, what she said, what I, what I had just read there. And she goes on to mention that, you know, what I had just, what I just mentioned there about how a lot of the focus is on how the choice that you make at the end of the day doesn't matter because it's ridiculous. I think it gets boiled down to you're either voting for 
a giant douche or a turd sandwich. And that's like from an episode where I believe the school, South Park Elementary, is voting on a new mascot, I think, for the sports teams. And the two choices are a giant douche or a turd sandwich. So obviously both those options are ridiculous and they're kind of satirizing the American political system because I will agree with them on that, that because the U.S. is a two-party political system that I would argue are basically uh, two different sides of the same coin, your choices that you have, you know, it's not really going to make a difference because they both, at the end of the day, on a lot of issues are going to do the same thing. So my issue is the response, obviously, here that she got for just kind of like expressing that opinion. And this kind of like touches on like uh, cancel culture, which is an increasingly annoying buzzword that is coming up. So anytime someone does something that, you know, someone might critique, you know, the response to that critique is, oh, you're trying to, to cancel me. And, and she states here in, in this article that, you know, people had come to her complaining that she wanted to cancel South Park. And she's saying that I never, like in what I read, no, nowhere did she say that uh, South Park should be canceled or that's a terrible show. No one should watch it. She's just saying that, you know, hey, this show has contributed to this kind of general worldview for a lot of people. It's left that impression on a lot of people. Now, what I will say is that no piece of media, and I'm not saying she's arguing this, but I'm just saying in general, no piece of media to me has that huge an effect. Like, you're not going to watch something and then adopt what it says 100% or whatever. No piece of media is that influential. No piece of media can, like, brainwash you uh, so easily, I suppose. Now, does media have an effect on things? Yes, obviously, uh, I would say it does. It has an effect. I wouldn't say it completely changes the way people think because they watch something. Otherwise, I mean, the example I always like say is that, you know, if that was the case, anything that we watch, we would automatically be converted to that viewpoint or that kind of philosophy or that opinion or whatever. So if I watch something about you know, being a fascist, being like a white supremacist, being like a Nazi. Oh, I, I would I would immediately adopt that uh, philosophy. If I saw something about uh, environmentalism, I would be automatically, you know, for the environmentalist cause. If I saw something denouncing capitalism, oh, I'd be against capitalism. If I saw something that promote that denounced communism, I'd be against communism. Like, I would be changing my mind constantly because everything I watch is influencing me 100%. Whereas it doesn't really work like that. Now, media, like I said, does have an effect because sometimes when you watch something, that is your only impression or understanding of a certain uh, you know, group of people, certain event, certain um, philosophy, a, a certain ideology, a, a certain person even. It doesn't have to be a whole group of people, right? That could be your only understanding. So it will inform how you think of a person or how you think of a group or how you think of a country or how you think of a historical event or something it can influence you because that's all you know so that's what you're going to draw from and that's part of the problem is that you don't you need to have a range or a diversification of you know inputs on a certain subject to kind of formulate an idea but we don't always do that and that doesn't mean you're a bad person because it happens just in the course of living your life like no one can like oh i've i've consulted with you know like 20 different sources no one has time for that sometimes you just see something it's a snap decision and it's in your brain like that it doesn't necessarily mean someone is acting in bad faith although that can happen but it doesn't necessarily mean that so uh this is uh, further expanded upon here in the in the av club uh, article that talks about the sense of of apathy and nihilism that uh, South Park has created for like a lot of people. Like if you're someone who watches the show religiously, like I can understand how it can have an effect on how you formulate opinions about things. Because like I said, when when shows influence our understanding of stuff, it doesn't have to be a person or a group of people. Like I said, it could be philosophies, it could be worldviews. It could be beliefs that it influences. Now, as I mentioned, it's not 100%. It's not like someone's going to watch South Park and then be like, boom, I'm with you there 100% right away. But it can have an effect on how you think. And then like that effect can be subconscious. 
and and as I previously mentioned, South Park is a show that is very nihilistic in its approach to stuff. So when I mentioned Man Bear Pig in uh, Dana's uh, in one of her tweets there, because they issued an apology for it, the creators of South Park did on their view of of Man Bear Pig. Now, if you have not watched the show, uh, there is a, an episode about Al Gore and his crusade uh, of environmentalism. So I guess after. Uh, Al Gore lost the uh, controversial 2000 U.S. presidential election. He kind of went on and became a figure in, in, I guess, American media about uh, the dangers or the oncoming dangers or how we need to prevent uh, climate change or global warming, whichever term you want to use. So an environmental environmentalist cause that he took up and kind of became like a spokesperson for. Like there's the, the film... Uh, in, an inconvenient truth it came out i think in 2006 and so you know he had that doc come out that talked about climate change and then he you know would give talks and appear at conferences basically pushing uh, this agenda of of the need to actually do something about climate change before it becomes irreversible and it's still an ongoing thing about how do we how do we resolve this issue now Obviously, there's a lot of people who think climate change is dumb, it's ridiculous, it's not real, it's just like fear-mongering, or it's some way for, I don't know, companies to make money, some kind of scam, and I, you know, I don't think that's true at all, that's that's ridiculous, and we'll get into, like, there's going to be an episode in the future coming out about uh, conspiracies and stuff like that. To me, that's, that, that's not the case. I mean, the last couple of years now, I believe... Uh, Every month has been the hottest month <laughs> since we've been recording temperatures like across the planet. So to me, like I know obviously there's other weather events that that are signaling that there there is climate change. Like earlier the, earlier this year when we had that storm uh, in Texas where everyone basically got frozen out, the power shut off for a few days and all that stuff. That's a result of climate change because uh, it doesn't mean that everything is just going to be hotter. I mean, yes, overall, generally the temperature is going to increase, but be that, but because of that increase in temperature, it's going to cause weather patterns to kind of like destabilize and become more, I won't say random, but more volatile, let's say. And so you'll have this kind of like freak snowstorm in Texas, an area that doesn't really get snow, or when it does get snow, you know, it's like a centimeter uh, or an inch for my American listeners, which is 2.54 centimeters, you know, so one centimeter is less than an inch there. Maybe it's half an inch or so of snow. And, it, you know, that derails everything, obviously, because they're not used to it. They don't have winter tires. They don't have equipment to deal with even that level of snow. That's how much it can mess things up. So imagine when you get like a freak snowstorm and it knocks power out and you have people like freezing to death. Now, I don't know if people actually froze to death, but very high possibility when you have no heating and it's super cold out. So with the man bear pig, basically South Park, again, with its ethos of nihilism and, you know, caring about things is stupid because no matter what the choice is, it's going to be a dumb outcome. Uh, They made an episode satirizing Al Gore for his like smugness, basically. And they had done a few episodes about that. Like there's one where people start getting electric cars and all all the people who get electric cars are really smug about themselves that I'm doing better for the environment. And then in the episode, obviously satirizing this position is when they would say these like positive statements, they would like let out a big fart and then like bend over and smell it because they are so full of themselves, so arrogant, you know, they love the smell of their own farts. Right now, is it wrong to make fun of people who are smug about that kind of thing? No, that's not the problem. The problem isn't like satirizing or making fun of people who do, because I've seen people take that position where it's like, ah, yes, I've done this. And we're going to get into an episode of like things or professions generally I find uh, to be smug. Uh, you know, so there's nothing wrong with making fun of people who, you know, had a Prius. They focus on the Prius, like, specifically. But that's the general conceit. And that's the shtick of, or that's a selling point. That's a marketing of of these cars, of electric cars, no matter who the manufacturer is. The point is, yes, buy this car because you are 
uh, you know, environmentally friendly. You're being environmentally responsible or whatever line it is they're trying to sell you on. So people would get that and they'd be like, ah, yes, I've done my part for the earth now because I have an electric car. You are some, you know, backwater plebeian driving an internal combustion engine. Like, uh, you simple peasant, you don't even know you're killing our planet. Right? So there's nothing wrong with, like, making fun of that attitude, generally speaking. Like, that's fine, because that's, that's a bit ridiculous. It's like, well, for me personally, I'm like, this this will be an episode down, down the line as well. But, you know, no technology, no business uh, is going to save us from the planet. Because, like, the role of a business is to make money, not to do what's better for society, not to do what's better for the planet. No matter what their marketing says, I don't care what the company is. Their goal is to, to, to create profit for their shareholders. And if it involves telling you that what you are doing is good for the environment, then that's what they'll say because that's going to be their marketing. That's going to be their niche. That's what's going to hook you in to buying into their product. And by buying, I mean literally buying into it. Like you will put down money for it. But that's not going to be the way. Buying more stuff, creating more stuff is not going to solve the climate crisis that we currently face. If anything, we have to stop buying stuff. But anyway, that's, a, that's another topic for another day. So they went on and made, uh, you know, an episode satirizing, making fun of, of Al Gore. So in this episode, Al Gore is kind of like this bumbling. He kind of talks like this and he says, guys, I'm super serial about this. And it's kind of funny. Like when I watched the episode, I did find it funny. I'm not someone who's like a super environmentalist person or whatever. But, it, you know, in general, it's fine. You want to make fun of, of Al Gore. And and so the the I guess euphemism towards climate change that they made for him in this episode to satirize it, the climate change is referred to as man bear pig, as this uh, kind of thing that doesn't really exist. Obviously, because you know it's a man, it's half man, half bear, half pig. I believe is how it's described uh, in the show. So clearly, it's mocking those beliefs and it's mocking people who care about the environment or say that they care about and on, on a certain level i, I kind of get this because it's hard to know like who is being sincere who is being altruistic and i don't i don't know i don't really think you can be altruistic but at the end of the day i don't know if that's necessary for someone do i need someone to be 100 percent altruistic to say hey right now what we're doing is harming the planet that we live on and that's our only option to ever live on Right. Like, do I need them to be 100 percent altruistic to say, hey, we need to change how we do things? Part of me is like, no, I guess not, because at the end of the day, I'd rather we do or take a course of action that will be beneficial towards the planet so that we can continue living. Because that's well, for me, that's our only purpose is to live, to live out our life. Right. So I, I guess I would take a more existentialist approach compared to Seth Park that would take a nihilistic approach, which is basically nihilism is like there is no meaning in anything doesn't matter what you do whereas existentialism is there's no inherent meaning in anything other than meaning that you give yourself because you could argue for a long time uh you know there was some greater being that gave you meaning so that's what like a lot of religions i guess you could say and a lot of philosophies espouse that this thing or this activity that you do gives you meaning or gives your life meaning. So if you devote yourself to Jesus, let's say, that gives your life meaning and purpose and stuff. But you have like the rise of existentialism. I don't know the whole history of existentialism, but I know definitely after the First World War, a lot of people became disillusioned with society at large and humanity in general, as you could imagine, from this giant world war that killed, you know, millions of people, you know, which was a scale like unheard of. Because, yes, war existed beforehand. War was all, always terrible, you know, always like traumatic, even, uh, you know, old school war, like in the in the 1800s and stuff like there's this painting called Roll Call, I believe. And it was a very controversial painting in England. Uh, I forget who painted it. But it showed soldiers like it, it, it didn't show them in the romanticized stories that we hear or way that we hear about soldiers, uh, you know, participating or coming back from war. Right. War is always even now, even today, like this is how they sell young, impressionable people to go fight in wars. 
well, partially anyways, you know, it's a noble cause. Like I said, it gives you, gives your life meaning. You're fighting for the greater good. You're fighting to protect freedoms, right? You're fighting against evil. You're fighting against bad guys. So this is a noble pursuit. Now, obviously, this isn't about war specifically, but this painting was controversial because it didn't depict the soldiers like how you would normally see in other paintings of the era, you know, even though they're fighting a bloody battle, let's say, and you might see some dead bodies on the floor, but generally people look good, you know, they look courageous, you know, they look like they want to be there, they look heroic, you could say. And this painting did not portray that. It showed the soldiers disheveled, right? Like normally when you see, you know, paintings of war, everyone's in, you know, tip-top shape. They're well-dressed. They're presentable, I guess you could argue, right? Again, the idea of looking heroic. But this, they didn't look heroic. Soldiers basically standing in a line and they look disheveled, they look bloody, they look battered, they look beaten, they look like their spirit is broken. And it was controversial because it was like, Oh, you're showing the unhappy side of war. And it's no longer this heroic thing. Another example, I guess, is like Napoleon crossing the Alps. Everyone, I think, knows the famous painting of Napoleon on the horse that's kind of like on its hind legs as its front legs kick out and Napoleon's on it and he's pointing right as he's crossing the Alps and stuff. Right. It's very majestic. Right, it's very heroic. It's very noble in its presentation of Napoleon. It's very kind, you could say. It's very forgiving, you could say. Right, but there's other pictures or portraits of of Napoleon crossing the Alps that don't portray it in that heroic manner. Where yes, I've conquered all. Like look at me, I am so great. Uh, kind of viewpoint. There's other ones where it's like Napoleon crossing a horse and. It's cold and snowy and he looks sad and, you know, kind of like, I don't want to be here, right? So you had existential, uh, existentialism kind of like rise out from that, I guess, shock of, of what humanity is capable of, right? Because in the First World War, this is when we get the, the machine gun and this is where you had something like the Battle of the Somme where you just had soldiers mowed down in seconds, right? I think what the British lost probably 400 to 600,000 soldiers in like a day or something because the machine gun was so powerful. This is what led to trench warfare and is why the war dragged on for so long because there was nothing you could do uh, against the machine gun because as soon as you were out in an open field, boom, you're mowed down, right? So people saw that. They saw it and became disillusioned with people, with humanity, it's just like, what are we capable of as a species if we could e- so easily kill people and over what? So from that, that's kind of like where we start seeing the like, you know, the rise of existentialism. I'm not saying that's where it originated from, but definitely contribute to that feeling of like, well, maybe we have no purpose on the earth. If this, is this our purpose is to, just to kill people? So existentialists kind of came out and said, there's no inherent meaning in our life but what we do with it. So basically the meaning of life is what you give it. So what's important to you. So if I'm someone, look, I want to create pots all day. That gives my life meaning. Then that's the meaning of my life. You know, if I want to create a program that will help people learn or something. If I just want to go out and have a family. If I just want to take care of the people around me, whatever it is, that's, that's my meaning. So I, I, I determine my meaning. That's basically like what existentialism is, but South Park doesn't take that viewpoint. All right. So in, in this case of the man bear pig, right. Of climate change it's just saying it's stupid, <laughs> right? You're stupid for caring because it doesn't matter. You're just a smug asshole. You don't really care. Right. And that's always been the problem. Right. So climate change hasn't been the problem. It's because people are insincere in their intentions about climate change. It's just some kind of scam. I'm just trying to look good. I don't really care. Right. This is the idea of like skepticism, but not skepticism in the sense that like uh, the validity of something based on facts or non facts that are present or that you can observe or you can, you know, interact with whatever it is. It's just the skepticism that 
to me what I call like fake skeptics, which is just like it doesn't conform to my viewpoint. So I think it's stupid. Therefore, no one else should think otherwise. And that's why I say at the beginning in our non-legal legal disclaimer, it's okay to, to disagree, right? I'm not saying because I, do, I don't like something that you also don't have to like that thing. Or if I think something is stupid, you don't have to think that thing is stupid, right? That's just my view on it. But I don't know because I don't know everything in, 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 in the universe, in the world. So I can't say 100%, yes, I have deemed this thing stupid or I've deemed this thing dumb or inconsequential or whatever it is. Now, does this mean that you can't make fun of something or you can't have? No, of course. You know, you can make fun of something. I, I think there's nothing wrong with poking fun at, uh, at Al Gore. But the, the danger then becomes in when you say that caring itself about anything is stupid. And that you're stupid for even bothering. So I see where, like, when Dana made her point, and other people have made point, made this point. Like I said in the in the AV Club article, that's where it leads to like this insincere, bad faith arguing that you get. Uh, and like, like I said, uh, not a, a single show doesn't create this. So not everyone that watches, because I've watched South Park, and I don't necessarily hold that view. That's why I'm talking about it in this episode. That like someone like Dana or other people should be able to express, you know, maybe there were some things or there are some things about South Park that are, uh, you know, kind of uh, kind of a problem. Right. And there's nothing wrong with examining that and seeing like, oh, maybe this nihilistic viewpoint that it's always pushing in its episodes. Maybe that's worth examining and looking at. You know, she wasn't. She wasn't trying to get rid of the show. No one's arguing that, oh, this shouldn't be on the air because because of that. No, but it's something worth looking at. You should be examining things about what messages they're sending to people, whether it's intentional or unintentional, whether it's conscious, subconscious, whatever it is. It's worth looking at. It's worth asking questions about or expressing a view over. So I don't I don't see an issue with that. So because of that, that's just one example there. But the show, I think, as the creators, since that episode had come out and they kind of saw more and more, you know, the devastation caused by climate change. And I think they more and more realized like, oh, wait, this isn't just, you know, Al Gore being just like a jackass or trying to make himself look good by using, you know, climate change as a shtick to do so. They're like, oh, this is actually a serious problem. So, you know, so they issued that apology saying like, oh, no, we goofed on this one. You have to do that for every. No, like I said, you can you can make fun. You can satirize uh, the positions that people take on certain things because there is stuff to satirize. Like definitely like when I've talked about things like companies taking on, you know, Black Lives Matter stuff, they do it in the most superficial way. That is something that definitely deserves to be satirized or made fun of. But the caring in general about the issue that some people face, the discrimination and hate that they face for who they are, like to me, that's not worth satirizing. Now, if you have someone you can point to and say, oh, they're insincere in their actions. Yes, you, you can make that argument. I got no issue with that. But when you turn around and say, oh, well, you care about this, so therefore you are dumb because you've cared about something. And to me, that's like where the issue lies and that's what like i said you get the bad faith arguments and people who just want to argue to say like oh well you know your position is dumb because you care you don't really feel that way or whatever the the issue may be or i'm just going to argue just to argue with you not because i have like an actual point to make you know and obviously the show plays into like the pushback against like you know pc culture and stuff like that in general because like there are elements of that definitely that are worth poking fun at the way sometimes people will kind of like bend over backwards to create an environment where it's like oh i don't want to say the wrong thing so i'm going to like tiptoe around stuff even though it's kind of like ridiculous to do so so that's why that's the ethos that seth work has as well which is like to make fun of everything now i've no like i said i have no problem with like making fun of stuff in general or pointing out how some things are ridiculous because there's a lot of stuff that is ridiculous a lot of insincerity that exists especially like for companies especially for things uh that are capitalistic in nature because they're driven by profit but they don't come out and just say that right they gotta 
do the whole performative dance around it so that you know that, you know, we're just like you. It's the same thing in the, the well, this is explored in the, in the episodes, uh, companies aren't your friend deal, right? Where they do this performative stuff like Bell here in Canada, they do their Let's Talk day to raise money for mental uh, health issues and awareness, which on itself, or which on its surface is fine. I have no problem with that in that sense, but it's just something that's very surface level. So that is something that, yeah, you could definitely poke fun at, at the ridiculousness of that because it's a very clean, very sanitized view of mental health issues. And it doesn't even really come close to it addressing the stigma and stuff that people face surrounding mental health, right? Bell doesn't do anything specifically to mitigate this issue. Bell isn't out there actually fighting for greater accessibility uh, for mental health services, right? They're not enacting policy to do that, probably not even within their own company. Like when you look into it more, you see like the stress and anxiety and, and breakdowns people have because they're forced to sell stuff to people that they don't want to, but they're going to get fired otherwise. You see the same thing with Wells Fargo Bank in the U.S. Uh, if you haven't heard about this, they basically want to keep their numbers growing because in capitalism, you always have to keep growing. Everything has to grow so when you, you know, you, you, you have your numbers, it's like, great, you open this many accounts. Okay, we need more. We need more. We need more. I got to the point where they just had their employees just secretly start opening up accounts for people without their knowledge and their consent just to say that, ah, yes, we're growing, we're growing, we're growing, right? And then a couple of years after that, can, that scandal is exposed, they come back with a nice slick ad campaign being like, yeah, we did some bad stuff, but we're back now for you to, to work for you, right? It's just like so full of shit. So when a show like South Park comes out and like, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily have to be those two examples I just gave, but similar situations where it kind of looks at the ridiculousness of certain, you know, viewpoints or in situations uh, certain uh, positions that that people take on stuff like I get it and a lot of it I do find to be funny in general but the heart of the issue here is like someone like Dana or anyone else should be able to talk about it. like it's not even anything radical that she said like she wasn't calling for the show to be canceled she wasn't demanding an apology from the creators of South Park they, they have to own up for what they've, they've done. They've poisoned the, the minds of the youth. It's not like condemning Socrates to death here to drink uh, hemlock for corrupting the youth of the world. That's not what she's saying. She's just saying, like, oh, yeah, there's some, some issues here on how South Park has influenced or had an influence on people's thinking that no one should care about anything. And that's kind of like we kind of saw that more recently with the, like, rise of Trump and stuff. A lot of it was motivated by people just not wanting the other side to win, like that kind of contrarian attitude. It's like, oh, well, you want me to like not be offensive? Well, I'm going to be super offensive and I'm going to make a joke or I'm going to be uh, offensive ironically, right? And if you care, if you're offended, then you're an idiot. And again, it depends. What is it that you are satirizing? are making fun of. That's what it always comes down to whenever people talk about, uh, uh, you know, offensive jokes or anything like that. It, to me anyways, I know not everyone shares this opinion, but it depends what it is you're criticizing or what it is you're making fun of in the joke. That's what's more important. So if you're saying, if you're making a joke and it's like, oh, this group of people is, are stupid, like, eh, I mean, maybe it can be funny. It depends who's saying it and how it's worded it's got to be a really good joke for that to work but if it's something like oh this idea that we have for some reason that these this group of people are dumb that idea itself is stupid and worthy of mockery then you know perhaps that is a better joke and maybe it doesn't have to be like this flawlessly executed joke because you're what you're making fun of are these pre preconceived notions that we have that when you think about it is ridiculous but when, like i said if you just say oh this group of people is stupid just as an example because they're different they look different than me i'm like eh, yeah maybe once upon a time that would be enough 
to get a laugh or to be considered edgy or to be considered funny because, oh, no, they actually said that thing. Yeah, maybe, but, you know, things change over time. And, you know, you see that so often it becomes, okay, yeah, I've heard that now like a million times. That's not, you're not saying anything, you know, grand here. You're not saying anything, you know, that's a great, that's a, that, that's a revelation to me. It's just kind of like same old, same old. Ooh, I said something offensive. Isn't that funny? It's like, yeah, that's not funny anymore. You got to come back with something better. Like I said, if you can execute a flawless joke that says, you know, this group of people is stupid because they look different than me and, and it's funny because it's the perfect joke, then I'll say, oh, well, funny's funny. That, that works then. But like I said, that's got to be like a once in a lifetime joke. Like I'm going to assume like if it's, genuine i would consider lazy like oh yeah you never notice how these people look and they look kind of funny because they don't look like us like me and you and that's not really gonna fly i think for most people so i think we will end it there um like i said i will link the two articles in the show notes so if you want to go and read them they're both interesting the av1 i would say is a bit more interesting because it deals with this idea more in depth not to say that the one that dana wrote uh, was bad or anything, but it's not as in-depth. And it, she mainly talks about her experience specifically, which makes sense because she's reacting to what she experienced by just merely suggesting that there are some issues with South Park's apathetic view and how it has influenced uh, uh, some people. But uh, yeah, we'll leave it there. I have been your podcast person, Pavla, also known as J-Pav, also known as Pav, also known as Pavi. Don't forget to listen to the podcast from fellow podcast people to the show, uh, Dexter and Alex. Then that is uh, October Jones and Fish with Legs, which has been nominated for two Canadian podcasting awards. So make sure you go check them out. Uh, probably where you found this podcast. The whole season is out now. The whole first season's out. Uh, you can find my voice in a couple of episodes. So go ahead and look out for that. Should you choose... Thank you for your uh, support. Greatly appreciated. Uh, everyone, please stay safe. Get vaccinated. Peace.